Charlotte Soccer Show. John Hayes, Danny Brams. Danny, we're here at a new location for a coffee cast on a beautiful holiday Monday morning. It's Martin Luther King Jr. Day here, a great day to celebrate in the QC, a great a great day to sit back and and be introspective and, and to celebrate all the things that, that we're, you know, offered here. It's a huge day, yeah. Danny. It's yeah. a big day on, on the calendar. W- world peace and civil rights. What, who, who could be against those things, right, in 2024? <laughs> and yet yeah. uh, we, we find that some people still haven't gotten the message. Hopefully they will. Uh, shout out to everyone who's out there. What I love about uh, MLK Day in the modern world is it's become a day of service for so many people. A lot of people go out and do service projects and teach their kids and stuff like that. So uh, really, really great day to uh, observe and uh, wonderful to be here talking with you, Johnny. Uh, it's a coffee cast. We, uh, We're going for a night swim. Yeah, a little night swimming if you're an REM <laughs> fan. Um, one thing I love is... So the first year of the show, right? We kind of our thing was the tour, the brewery tour. We went to, we made it a point to go to a different brewery every episode. Then in year two, we uh, sort of planted our flag at EPR. Now in year three, we're planting our flag at Hopfly. We're going to be doing most of our episodes there. But uh, we've taken the tour concept to the coffee casts because we we try to hit a different coffee shop every every time we do a coffee cast. And Night Swim is a new one for us on the list, and uh, I love it. As soon as the season starts, you can expect us to have episodes on Sunday, both published on YouTube and on our podcast feed. Uh, most of them will, will be at Hopfly Brewing. Uh, was over there this past past weekend, Danny, and we, we had some big things being planned with Hopfly as far as match day parties, away day watch parties, and I was a little bit concerned about the first away day of the season at Vancouver. Right. And that's a west. That's as west coast as it gets, for sure. And the ten thirty Eastern start time, nightmare. The watch party. It was going to be tough. You know, the game wouldn't end until twelve thirty a.m. Right. How are we going to host our first watch party of the year at eleven p.m.? It just sounded like a nightmare. Good news. And you, oh, you, you yeah, good news. You tipped me off to this. You tipped me off to this. I don't know when this hit the wire, but it certainly did. And I was happy to hear that the Charlotte. At Vancouver game has officially been rescheduled to 4:30 Pacific time, 7:30 Eastern time. Wow. This saves wow. our, our our away day watch party at, yeah. at Hopfly. I think it does. Massive, yeah. Like we, it was going to be a really hard sell to get. Uh, the Tifos are great. The Tifos Nation, the Tifos, the, the power and strength of the Tifos Nation is why Hopfly Brewing Company came on board to partner with us this year and become the presenting sponsor of Charlotte uh, uh, Shocker Show. But even the Tifos Nation was going to yeah. be tough, uh, tough yeah. to get them to rally at an 11 p.m. start, like I said. So, 7:30 kickoff with the MLS. Let's say that's 7:45, probably roughly. But going to be a hell of a night. And like you said, there's a fresh drop Friday that week that is very Charlotte FC themed. We've been talking about. I don't, I don't know if we can release no, the details, but can. there is a. Uh, if you love the crown and you love beer and you love celebrating uh, the culture that we're building here uh, at Charlotte FC. Do not miss this watch party at Hot Fly Brewing Company on uh, March 2nd. Well, it's very simple. If you like the Toto El Tiempo, you're going to like the brew that is uh, specially, oh, hints? That yeah, is specially hints. brewed yeah. for this away day party. At, I do at, love the Toto at El Hot Fly. You yeah. said it. Uh, we're presented by Hot Fly Brewing Company. And this past Friday on Fresh Drop Friday, I just wanted to run this one by you, Danny. Okay, hit me. Vanilla Cloud Cake Milk Stout. Immerse yourself in the heavenly aroma of a just-out-of-the-oven vanilla cloud cake. Perfectly balanced with sweet, chocolatey, 
goodness. Wait, that's a beer? In beer form? Yeah, exactly. I, vanilla cake, vanilla cake, chocolate frosting in beer form? Uh, tell yeah. me more. Yeah, I love <laughs> yeah, it. Let's go. So, yeah. That was a fresh drop Friday this past Friday at Hot Fly, so make sure you get over there this week and give that one a try. And the cool thing about these uh, fresh drop Fridays is they'll last as, as long as... Um, you get over there to drink the beer. So if, yeah. if you missed out, if this one was popular, you might get over there and realize, well, no more of that vanilla cloud cake uh, milk stout. Yeah. So get yourself over to Hot so, Fly this week and, and get a taste of that. So, Johnny, when are we going to get the Fresh Drop Friday of a new signing for Charlotte FC? That's what we really are here to talk about today. It is. It is. And um, I think you and I right now, we've, we've done our due diligence, right? We're not just... Um, coming to this episode today with thoughts and ideas based in nothingness, right? We, we've, we've made some phone calls, we've had conversations, and we've talked about the fact that as we're sitting here recording this on Monday morning, January 15th, we're halfway through the month, mm-hmm. and there are... Halfway through the window. Halfway through the window. And there have not, and there has when not... The window closed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the door does not open. Sorry, yeah, this is not... Yeah, this is not... Uh, so the affirmation. So there's there, so there's some folks that are saying, hey, you know, everything's fine. Every, you know, everything's good. The players showed up, and they're heading down to, to Florida together. I mean, that hugs video. I mean, that was yeah. that was emotional to see Brechty welcoming everybody back and all those hugs. It was great. Yeah, and even Tuoloma was getting in on the hug. And make sure you go to the show to strip description here because you're going to get a link to Danny Bram's his latest for Charlotte Soccer City, our Substack page, which you can read for free, of course. Danny, you wrote a, a column about the, the the players getting back together and heading down to to preseason season and and you're on the the side of the fence that is you know no new players that's that's totally fine tell us why well i don't think it's totally fine to start the season with no new players what i think is totally fine i can't even say totally fine but i think what i'm okay with because like obviously we're coming to this i think this is the most pressing issue in the consciousness of of a uh, charlotte fc fan who's paying attention right now for right. sure. Yeah, because we, where we, are the players? Because we sent out the bat signal on Sunday. We said any questions or comments for a new episode, and just about every single one was about the transfer window. Right. And by this time last year, we had already signed Westwood. We had already signed Copetti. Those guys were in house. They those guys went to, you know, the preseason. Copetti didn't go to the Florida preseason because it was cut short. But he got here uh, for the walk ceremony, famously, if you remember. And Westwood was already here. So. Uh, it's like people are thinking to themselves, "Where are our players? We already had two of our two of our key players in 2023 were already signed to the club by this date last year. What's going to happen in 2024? We don't have anybody signed." And I get right. that. So what I'm going to say is, think uh, think of the duck. First, you got Charlotte sees a little bit like a duck right now, pedaling or you know paddling furiously under the water while everything looks calm on the surface. Yeah. I think there's plenty. I don't want to get in one of those duck boats. Well. <laughs> I've been in it. I rode a duck boat around Ireland, uh, around, Dublin, around Dublin. It was amazing. Oh, yeah, cool. Last spring. Yeah. I loved the duck boat. No it was, accident. It was good. good. It was safe. Yeah. It was, you were taken yeah, care of. I could, yeah, there yeah, has been some great. unfortunate accidents in those duck boats. In, in, uh, in Ireland, they call them Viking tour. They call them Viking boats. Oh, you're in Viking boats. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, that they makes give sense. these, little, these yeah. little horns or whatever. So, <laughs> um, But the deal is, I know that everyone is working. Zorn is paddling furiously under the water. Thomas is paddling furiously under the water. Joe is paddling furiously under the water. The one thing I don't think right now is too involved and and one thing I think that the character of this offseason is taking on the the character of Dean Smith which is he doesn't seem too concerned about not getting a bunch of new players in because they're all new players to him he's got to figure out who he's got so he's not really he can't be arsed as they say over there in England to care about two or three new guys coming because he's got 25 new guys he's trying trying to figure out who they all are so like 
he's not going to, I don't think Smith's going to be putting a huge sense of urgency on the front office. I think Zorn and Thomas and the, the scouts and Benno and, and Joe, the president, they are the ones that are probably really leading the way on a new player recruitment push. And Dino, for his part, you know, he said it in multiple press conferences now. He he said it at the, at the local conference. He said it at the MLS Media Day conference last week, which we did at Decoding the Presser on on our YouTube channel, which you can go see. We offered some commentary there. All he said the whole time is, my job is to work with the players I have, not to fit players into my style, but to fit my style to the players and to make each of these players better on a granular better. Make these guys, like, he's showing up. He's like, I need to teach Kerwin Vargas how to how to have a better second touch. His first right. touch is nice, but I need I need him to focus on his second touch. And, like, he's getting down to that level of detail, and he knows that if he can fix all the details, then, then it kind of rises up and, like, Individual performances get better, team performances get better, results get better. That's the way he approached it. It's a process, Nick Saban type of thing I've talked about. So like, And he asked, Dean Smith did, ask for patience. And a lot of people yeah. in and around him asked for patience to get things started here. So right. two weeks into the window without any signings, it's hard to remain patient. But but you're encouraging people to, to do so. And I well, think it's a, it's a fair and, me- and measured take. It's because I think we're not talking about bringing in role players. I think when we bring someone in, it's going to be... A star, and maybe not like a superstar famous name that I would have wanted. I, I was pushing early on, you know, the famous name theory for this recruitment window. You know, I'm not as as locked into that now as I once was. It'd still be great, but like I think that um, we can bring in a, a star talent, someone who's like a star talent, whether or not he's like famous or whatever. Well, and I, I hate to put it this way in the transfer window, but it is what it is. It's a player that costs dollars and cents. Right. It's not even about the name. If, if it's not a star player, it's about the cost, right? right? Because with the cost comes expectation. And so what I mean is I think we're bringing a new DP. And I said this in, in the column on the Substack. I planted my flag. I think Camille Yusviak will not start the season with Charlotte FC. I think he'll be gone. I think he'll be replaced with a new DP. I feel confident in that. I know there's only two, three weeks left to get that done, but that's what I think will happen. I, I, I could be proven wrong, but I'll, I'll offer a take that that's what I think is going to happen. Uh, and then the reason being is because that's what sort of the vibe I'm getting from this search. Uh, if they just needed to sign a couple role players, they would have done it already. If they need to go get a new DP, a new guy to come in and lead this team to the championship with Carroll and Enzo, and with Enzo and maybe half a season in Carroll, let's say, then that's what's going to happen in my mind. Um, and then I also, you know, think about we've made a try. We tried. We tried to go get a new DP. We tried to go sign Albert Gronbach, the Danish international who plays in the Norwegian League. He essentially this week, it was revealed that his club accepted our bid of $9.5 million. We w- We should have had this guy coming in, and he decided he didn't want to come to America. It wasn't even about Charlotte. It was about him not wanting to be in MLS and his chances to maybe still end up in Napoli. He's trying to go to the Napoli in the Italian League. That's his dream. So, like, good on him. I hope he achieves it. Albert Gronbach could have come to MLS and been a star, decided he didn't want to do it. But it's not like Charlotte's not trying. We had a bid accepted to, to go get this guy, and he turned MLS down. He didn't turn us down. He turned MLS down. So we're working. We're trying. I just fully, I'm fully confident that we will have a new DP to replace Yusviak uh, by the time the season kicks off. I know we're running out of time. I know some people are getting nervous, but that's what I think will happen. Well, you know, for me, that does seem like it's probably going to happen, just, just because Camille has also made his point clear that that he wants to to leave the club he he's he's ready to, to the turkish league then he's ready to to take on his next challenge i'm not sure if he sees himself fitting now into this squad i think ultimately it was really difficult for him to find his place on the right wing mm-hmm. and to get the the minutes and 
I just don't see somebody like Dean Smith coming in here and seeing value in a Camille Uziak, and maybe he, right. maybe he's already been just told that. Maybe he understands that, and his agent does understand that right. he's supposed to be looking for somebody. But the point I want to make is, is Camille has the highlight reel of a deep designated player. If you just look at all the good things he's done, but if you look at like the whole total package, he's not a designated yeah. player. Yeah, yeah. totally. Um, but, but if you, as you, when you did your twelve goals of Christmas, and when you ranked all sixty goals, you said it yourself. I mean, if you're reaching all, researching all of those things, you're gonna see nothing. Yeah, but the you good. see all nothing but good. So yeah. yeah, I'm high on all these players for sure. Right. Um, but for me, I just wanted to make the point that I think I think everything that you're saying is correct. That it's okay to be patient. That there will be a new DP coming in for Charlotte FC, and that supporters and and people interested in the club that are starting to get a little bit concerned might want to just hold on to that concern for a little bit. But what I wanted to share from my point of view and and maybe try to give credit to some of these supporters that are a little bit concerned about the lack of incomings for Charlotte FC is, is that I, every window gives you the opportunity to continue to retool your squad. And I think that, you know, and this is, this is not proven. I don't have any data in front of me. I, I don't have any research that I can bring to the table on this except for the fact that I think you can use your own. Anyone who has a soccer mind can think about the best teams in the world and what the best teams in the world do every single transfer window typically is shuffle their squad, is sign players, is loan players out, is bring new play, players in, is to sell players. I think that... Teams that fail to do business in the transfer window typically are the teams that get left behind. The teams that don't feel like they have a new spark. And yes, you can make the argument that Dean Smith is the new spark. Like that's where this that's where this argument feels like a little bit of a house of cards because what I'm trying to say is is that the concern is that the status quo isn't good enough mm-hmm. for Charlotte FC within that locker room within the changing room. I can go back to the game against Red Bull New York. I can take a look at that pitch. And I did afterwards. And I said, here's what needs to change in order for this team to be better and actually make a deep run into the playoffs and maybe win the Supporters' Shield or MLS Cup. And there's certain players on that field that night against New York Red Bull that simply are just are not good enough for that to happen for this club. So I think for me, getting new incomings in is a clear sign that a club is being ambitious, that a club understands that rotating your squad, getting new players in, challenging players who maybe are feeling a little too comfortable in their positions is a huge part of, of any good, well-run club. I think that Charlotte FC is making a bit of a mistake at not even bringing in people at a lower level than a DP just to change things up. Because remember, Bram Bronico, not a designated player. Mm-hmm. At Ilson Milanda, not a designated player. Jalen Lindsay, none of these guys. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying these guys are, are, are players that right. shouldn't play or need to be replaced. The, the should, most should, should Andrew Privet really be our starting center back when the season starts? Most of the Probably roster, not. most of the roster is not DPs. And there's teams around the league in MLS that are that are doing a roster refresh. You know, think about Columbus Crew, for example. Win the cup, and then they sign a guy like Derek Jones. Yeah, that's that's a big statement. It's a it's a it's a way to get somebody new into the building. It's a it's a right. way to refresh your squad and keep right. things fresh and add a piece. And now, and they're a club that like their ambition is higher. They're going to be playing Concacaf Champions Cup, so they need extra depth. But that's where we aspire to. So right. why not 
you know, have a depth. I'm, I'm with you in terms of let's build depth in advance, even before we get to those extra companies. I, I just think it's like it's like the holiday season, right? You're gonna have deals. It's like Black Friday, right? You're gonna get deals yeah. around the holiday season where you're gonna buy gifts. And you're also going to get deals around the holiday season after December 25th, where you can go buy something for a lot cheaper. And there's a there's a there's a moment to do it. So what I'm trying to say is is like I am not okay with the idea that hey, you know, we've we've got this new manager, and now he can maybe get something different out of all of these guys. I right. just wanted to throw he's it gonna, out there. He's going to somehow make every single player like twice as good yes. as they were. Yeah, yeah. I am. I think that for me. One of my biggest concerns about the Dean Smith appointment is that as somebody who lauded the, the hire, as someone that believes that it's going to work, I am a little disappointed by the fact that it didn't seem like Dean did his interview with a list of players that he wanted to bring in to the club. I think he got the job with not one player on a list that he wanted to bring into the club. Yeah. And for me, that's a little bit disappointing considering how many players he's been around. Yeah, and if that is true, then uh, hopefully he's made made the list now. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, because he t- he said he said I tell the organization what type of player I want, mm-hmm. and then the organization, Zoran Cronetta, yeah. his staff, their responsibility is to go out and get that type of player. Maybe yeah. Albert Grunbach fill you know fills that. Mm-hmm. Um, that character of, of what a Dean Smith player looks like, but I'm, I sit around and I think about some of the clubs that he's coached and some of the aging players on those squads, or maybe some of the young diamonds in the rough. Uh, the fact that some phone calls haven't been made and a couple of Dean Smith guys aren't coming in, like that—that's I mean, ultimately what I'm afraid of, right? I mean, it's with, like with KDB back, Graylish is having a hard time getting on the field in Manchester. I don't, I don't know. You know. <laughs> I'm but you, you, you see what I mean, though? No, I like, do. For like, sure. The fact that there's not a Dean Smith player, for, for instance, you know, um, when when Arteta uh, went to Arsenal, mm-hmm. what, what, I bet you one of the first things he did was bring in some guys oh, yeah. that, that he wanted to be a part of that, that squad. Yeah. You know, Ange Pastacoglu. But at, he didn't get Marty at, Odegaard. At Tottenham as mm-hmm. well. You know, you, you, you start a new project and you bring somebody in to help your new project get kicked off. I think it's a major mistake for Dean Smith not to have one person to come in and help him with his new project. Yeah, just like like an old reliable, something like that, for sure. Um, That's why I mentioned John McGinn in, right. in our interview yeah. with Greg Evans. Not that John McGinn is somebody that's going to come now. He's playing right. big-time minutes for Aston Villa. Aston Villa is a top-four side in, in the Premier League, and he's, and he's not somebody. But I promise you, John McGinn won't be playing big-time minutes for Aston Villa in three years. I promise you that. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, maybe maybe that's the type of patience we need for, for a player like that to, to come across. But the fact that Dean Smith doesn't have his one player, his one guy to come in and kind of be um, the player voice, uh, but maybe he's counting on Ashley Westwood to be that. But then again, Dean Smith he said, have a relationship he, they're, with they're, him. yeah, they're, we didn't know each other yeah. you know, in, in England. So I am just, uh, I am a little bit concerned. I know you're not, but but... Only the future will tell us what, what, what ends up happening. Yeah, I'm not carrying that concern, but I certainly think it's valid, and I understand where it's coming from, for sure. I think it's kind of the crux of where we're... It's like that is the key sort of, like, tension in, in your in your mind, in your heart as a Charlotte FC fan this week and last week and probably next week, too, probably till the end of the window. I think... I, I totally... I love the way you put that in terms of, you know, why didn't Dean Smith have at least just one... Like guy that he wanted to make sure was part of his squad. That that that's a very good take, I think. 
Uh, I'll also say, you know, as a counterpoint to my, my generally held belief, but something I think is worth saying is like, it's too bad we haven't been more active on the intra MLS free agent market. You know, like, um, I did the uh, the uh, Christmas characters. You know, I sort of did the article on the Substack about like free agents and comparing them to Christmas movie characters and stuff like that because I thought it was pretty fun. But that was three weeks ago, and we didn't sign any of those guys. And half of those guys have been signed now, you know. And like Donovan Pines was my—he's a center back. He's a giant, tall center back, and like he, uh, who's actually who's also an incredible human being, for, by all accounts, from DC United fans. He he was let go by DC United. We need center backs. He was cheap, a free transfer. I was like, let's go get this guy and bring him uh, in for some center back depth. Instead, he goes to Barnsley in League One, the third division of English football, and you know, like that couldn't have been. There's no way that cost any any money at all for, no. for what these clubs are dealing with. So, like, I'm shocked that we we didn't uh, want to kick the tires on a Donovan Pines like that. Really strange to me. Um, a couple other guys on that list uh, that were not realistic, but they have signed, and we just we haven't done anything. So I agree. Like, I can I can understand why the TFOs might be. Get nervous out there, and uh, you know, lobbing some questions to their to their favorite show. You know, uh, what's going to happen? So I, I'm trying to put people, you know, uh, I rest sent, the concerns. With I sent you a link to Tom Bogert's YouTube page because mm-hmm. because late last week he did a, a video on Atlanta United and the the big time off season that Atlanta they've, United is, is having their right now. Entire squad, Atlanta United, it's crazy. Yeah, and when you compare what Charlotte is doing compared to what Atlanta is doing based on what I just got done saying and what I believe to be a formula for success in soccer it seems like Atlanta to me is set up to have a better season than Charlotte and, and oh by the way they f- finished ahead of us last year like they, you know that wasn't good enough for them so they completely retooled yeah I mean I think we've retooled our vision we've re- retooled our imagination we re- like like it really needs to be I, I know you don't necessarily won't feel comfortable sitting here just relying on the Dean Smith as savior narrative to come <laughs> no, in and save the club like that's not yeah. where you want to just like plant your flag and that's fine right. what I will say is this though Dean Smith is light years ahead of both Christian Latanzio and Miguel Angel Ramirez as a manager it just like yeah. he may yeah. fail he may succeed here but it doesn't change the fact that those two guys had no fucking clue what they were doing and this guy uh, you know once he figures out Gam Tam he should be pretty good in terms of knowing how the hell to run a club. You've mentioned the TFOs a lot, so I wanted to start bringing them into the show a bit here. Uh, Len, Len Kornakia. Did you catch that hint I was dropping? <laughs> Did you catch that hint? Len Kornakia, uh, he chimes in, he says, and I want to ask you this specifically because you mentioned this in our prep for the episode today. And when we're talking about new players and bringing in new players, I think you know we talked to someone very close to the club who had mentioned Crown Legacy as a pipeline sure. as far as new players this season. Len asks which Crown Legacy players will see time on the pinch at on the pitch, excuse me, at the bank this year. I think there's one lock, 100%. And well, well, let's, let's say this. A, do you consider Ajamong a Crown Legacy player? No. <laughs> okay. So, we won't count him. Yes. Uh, B, do you consider Brandon Cambridge a Crown Legacy player? No. Okay. Well, we probably will see some some good minutes of him, hopefully a lot more than last year. The one that we is definitely a legacy player that I can tell Lenny C to keep his eye out for uh, is Nikola Pekovic. I mean, yes. this guy is—I wouldn't say he dominated at, at Crown Legacy last year, but he definitely sort of learned his the ropes. This is probably one of the most purely talented players on the legacy who was 19 years old and moved 
from a small European town to you know a large bustling American city and so the club basically saw a talent in this kid and said hey let's give him an adjustment year at Crown Legacy let's not bring him let's not sign him to the first squad even though he is a first squad type of player let's give him an adjustment year to, to figure out how to live in America and be an adult uh, in a new foreign country where you don't speak the language and, and uh, handle paychecks and apartments and things like that for a year before we bring him uh, into this league and I, I think that was a smart slow approach obviously there's some guys who are ready as a teenagers or, and some guys have the, the ability to come with you know like their parents to help them out and stuff like that. this was a, uh, and they can start right away this was a case where we did a little bit of a slow development and I think it's paid off all reports coming out of HPP are that this kid is just an awesome kid and just like so great to be around and I, I think he's going to be an awesome rookie in MLS this year he might fall into a category of player that Dean Smith mentioned in his introductory press conference here with Charlotte FC and that category of player is if you're good enough you're old enough. Yeah, yeah, right? exactly. And, yep. and I think I think that comment and this, this situation regarding this player, if you can think back to the way Charlotte FC handled this young player in the past, maybe Dean Smith wouldn't have handled it that way. Mm-hmm. Maybe Dean Smith would have been very comfortable in saying, you know what, if you're one of the best players Ooh, in my man, organization, yeah. you're on my bench, yeah. and I'm going to give you your debut, and I'm going to consider um, you know, building you up into the player that I want you to be, not just stashing you away. Um, with the with the youth team, that could be a little tricky based on because he was a pretty expensive signing. I think he, he's like the million the million dollar next pro got man, you know, like right. so yeah, like uh, I'm roster not sure, rules. I'm not sure exactly how he fits into the roster rules with coming yeah. up because yeah. he's he's a little more than a than a TAM but not a DP type of guy. Well, here's the thing, and Dean Smith keeps saying this. He says that he's doing a an MLS. You, you did an episode of Decoding the Presser, by the way. Go to our YouTube page. Please do Charlotte Soccer Show on on YouTube YouTube, and you can see Danny decode the press conference. Dean Smith at MLS Media Day. And, you know, for me, I, I always love watching those Decoding the Presser episodes because they're just so much better than watching just a standalone press conference to get some commentary along with it. So, yeah, so, so great job with that. We're going to do them all season. Yeah, yeah, fantastic job with that. But, I mean, like, for, for me, I think it's, it's just so, it's so difficult, Danny, in this, in this moment, right? Because, I, you know, I, I think you and I don't typically – we typically see eye to eye on things. I think right now we don't. Yeah, yeah, I'm sensing that we don't like, and that makes me like whenever someone who's smart, whose opinion I respect, <laughs> doesn't agree with me, that that makes me self-examine. So I'm trying to like, I'm I'm sitting here in my own head like poking holes in my own argument, and I can see them all, right. and yet at the same time I'm I'm still gonna preach. I'm gonna, again, I could end up looking like a fool here. I, I'd hate to to lose my. Uh, my status is Bramstradam is here, but I just really, I'll, I'll, I'll say it again, we will have a new, P, new DP before the season starts. Uh, I, I love that take, and uh, with this patience though, right, a spurts guy, uh, someone that, that always chimes in, he says, Danny said last show he guaranteed we wouldn't start 0-3 again. At, but at what point do we start to contribute some of these slow starts to leaving all of our transfer business to the very end of the window? There have been reports about possibly all three DPs leaving or wanting to. First, let's just identify those reports. Carol has definitely been on the, the record saying that. Camille has definitely been on the record saying that. Enzo Cometti has not been on the record saying that he wants to leave. He's been on the record saying that his family's dream is for him to be at River Plate in Argentina. Okay? But Enzo clearly said that that move isn't probably in the cards for him at the moment, right. that he's happy here in America, yep. that the club just sent him to MLS 
media days as a representation of the club, something that Carroll did yep. last season, that Enzo now did this season. So if you're reading the tea leaves here, it's pretty simple to figure out who the club sees as its number nine at the moment, yeah. and it's Enzo Capetti. Yeah, I don't think Enzo's going anywhere. I know he said uh, the, the River Plate thing is funny. It is funny. Uh, That's all it is, yeah. though. Sorry to the football East and the Boca <laughs> Juniors love, but uh, I'm a River guy myself, too. That's where Julian Alvarez played before he went to Manchester City. Um, I think Enzo starts. I think Camille is gone or bought down, but I think, I think he's gone. And I think Carroll's 50-50. I'm not going to make a call on whether Carroll starts the season with us. I lean towards yes, but there, you never know. A t- a, you're, like It's all about price. The club's not coming off its price. The club has put a price out there, which we report to be around $10 million. They're not going to sell for less than that, so it's a matter of if a European team got desperate enough as they restart. Because, like... In your, in your, most, most of you all know this. Listen, I apologize for telling you all what you already know, but like, this is the the European seasons are all gearing up to their home stretch. They have like two and a half months left, and this is the end of their transfer window. So it's like bring in the re. This is their summer window, you know, for yes, us. So like, yes, yes. so it's like at the end of this window, which European team is like, fuck, we need, we need one more player for this home stretch. We got to go buy Swiderski from MLS. Like that could happen. I don't think it will. So, what about the question here, though? You know, at, at what point do we start to contribute some of these slow I, starts to leaving all of our transfer business to the very end of the window? Is that- I love sports guy, but I don't think – I question the premise of this one. He's one of my favorite TIFOs, especially on Twitter, but we didn't leave our transfer business to the end of the window last year, and we started slow. Good point. We didn't leave our transfer business to the end of the window in the first season, and we started slow. So, although we were still bringing in guys, we were running Shinji late and all that, but like – I don't think the transfer windows have contributed to the slow start, so I, I would disagree with the question. However, I do think that we would be better off this year if we already had someone in, I guess, like like John had said earlier. Well, it's, for me, I, the slow start, I, I'm not ready to get into that now. Talk to me in two and a half weeks. Okay. Right? If, if, if we don't sign anybody... Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we did maybe get off to a slow start. Or, and, but if we if we do sign somebody, then, then maybe we will. I think we just we need somebody to come in to score goals, mm-hmm. right? And all will be well if, if, if players actually start to get minutes that, that can score. And that's another part of this debate as well. You mentioned Cambridge. You mentioned Ajamong. You mentioned players who have the ability to score goals. That's what, that's what I'm looking for in, in, a, in a transfer right now as a player that can score goals. Okay, so a very interesting weekend in that – on Friday late afternoon, there was, was news about a new technical director coming in for Charlotte FC. And on Saturday morning, we were, we were able to confirm that report. Tommy Smith, boy. Tommy and Wilson, excuse me, sorry, Tommy Wilson. Tommy, sorry. Tommy yeah. Smith, yeah, Tommy, Tommy Wilson. Tommy Wilson. Yeah, we, were, we were to confirm that Charlotte FC is hiring a new technical director that will start in February, I believe on February 12th. Maybe was his start date. Yeah, mid-February, there's a big uh, announcement plan to sort of outline the, sort of the, the front office uh, alignment for the upcoming season. Basically. Bobby Belair is the current technical director for Charlotte FC. He's been in that role. Not going uh, anywhere. For the entirety. He is, he's being elevated into a new role in the front office. What his title will be, we're not sure about that. But ultimately, what, a technical director, right? The, the right. question from the Reverend Burrow is, Thoughts on the in- new incoming technical director and how might this change affect the team this coming season and also into the future? The first thing I want to do is explain to people what a te- technical director does. A technical director is actually a massive, massive role at the club. You're not the sporting director. You're not making decisions on 
contracts and players and recruitment and, and outgoing business. You're not doing any of that. You're not, you're not doing day-to-day tactics as well. You're not, you're not the manager. You're not deciding who goes into the 11. But what you are doing in the technical director role is you're basically setting the tactical foundation and the technical foundation of the club. What type of soccer does this club play? Which is, at a very, very high level, one of the most important roles that any club could have. This is a way to connect and create that connective tissue all the way from the first team into the youth program. Right. What type of style is Charlotte Football Club playing and how does that translate from, if you were signed by the club when you were 12 years old and you ended up being at the club for 10 years, when you're 22, the idea is throughout that 10 years, you're playing the same style of football right. throughout the organization to prepare you for that first team appearance. What, what is the organization of this organization? That's the question that yes. the technical director answers. And like, yes. how do guys progress? And like, when, you know, what? How are the, the core principles drilled down from top to bottom? Right. So, yeah, it's an extremely important role. However, it is a big time behind the scenes role, and I love um, yes. the fact that we got a question from the Rev, Reverend Burrow, one of our favorite TIFOs. Hot fly legend, one yeah, of the great, is. one of the greatest panel men in NASCAR history. Let's just be honest with ourselves. I, I know the technology's changed these days. Rev, Rev doesn't get to, you know, fix as many side panels as he used to back in the day <laughs> by hand. But uh, we do love the work he used to do. That's pretty good. Um, what I think is the fact that we're even talking about a new technical director is a sign of how big this is because, like, um, this is not something that would have made news. The club. The club kind of like when we the club when this news this news came out on the Philly side it broke on the Philly side because Philly was so distraught over losing this guy like uh, one of their their beat reporters started tweeting about it on Friday and confirmed that it was coming to Charlotte FC and that's when we got involved there was another Philly Union podcast that scrambled and did an emergency episode on a Friday night to talk about this guy leaving because they're distraught this is the guy who brought along and oversaw the development of some of the Philly's best prospects, and they're known as a prospect factory. Right. So, like, yes, they are. The they, fact and the academy is a huge part of the technical right. director role. Right. So Tommy Wilson's coming in here so, to really work with the academy. So when we talked to our people at the club, they were like, "Oh, like ah, we got to just you know we can we can confirm everything, but like we didn't even expect this to be news. Like the idea of like a technical director thing making news on a Friday night in the off season of MLS took everybody by surprise. But that's just how big of a move it is. So my thoughts are that this is huge. And it's uh, just another elite person coming into our front office staff, like Dean Smith. And I'm glad that Bobby Belair's staying as well because it shows that um, the Panther side of TSE may be uh, all over the place, but the, the Charlotte FC side is getting in alignment very nicely. I'm not sure if you're going to like my answer on this one or anybody will like my answer on this one, but I think that this hire is kind of an indictment on what the club has done up to this point during its existence. Like. I know it takes time to get talented people in here. I know when you're a new inaugural franchise and you have your inaugural season and and you get into a new league and you have to create your club and it's culture, but the bottom line is it's taken two and a half years to get the right guy in. And by the way, Tony Wilson's not young. He's 62. Sure. So he's on the back end of his career. Hopefully he's got a nice, a good decade left in him at this in this role. Hopefully he wants to work and and do this for a long time and be here at Charlotte FC. That Southern air. Keep you young. <laughs> Living out of the city. And come down here, I-95, get on to, to 85 and make your way to the Queen City. And I, I and think I, that's such a fair critique, John. And I, I definitely think, like, we're, we're very sunshine and rainbows on this show because we love the club. But sometimes you do have to call it out for what it is. And they didn't do good enough anymore. And it, it, it get, to me, like, it's like, 
hashtag NFAA. Not fucking around anymore. It's like it's like put up or shut up time in year three. Like yeah. if this regime can't get it done, like I'm I'm throwing all my optimism and enthusiasm behind the moves that have been made because I believe in them. But if these fail, then you're it's it's gonna go the other way hardcore. I'm gonna be banned from AHP because I'm gonna talk so much fucking shit. I I've been kind of in my own head debating. I'm like, yeah, Danny's feeling really good about this team, this roster, like, and and, and I'm not necessarily on that same page quite yet, but. I started thinking about it. So you know what? The better Danny feels about this squad preseason, like if things don't go well, the better it's going to be to see him just totally lose his shit <laughs> as so the weeks true. go on throughout the season. So, true. so, so you're, true. you're setting yourself up to either be right um, and for this project to work really well, or, or spectacularly wrong, or just yeah. kind of see what happens. But I, I mean, I, again, it's not the, the sky is falling. It's January fifteenth. There's two weeks left, but I'm officially kind of. Uh, I'm, I'm the one here at, at uh, Night Swim Coffee. I'm the one who is uh, waving a red flag and saying, hey, uh, you know, if Charlotte FC wants to win the Supporter Shield, if Charlotte FC wants to, to win MLS Cup, I'm not sure that the club is in the position to do that quite yet. Uh, because even if you look at, you know, before, you know, obviously if, 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 if the club isn't able to bring anybody in here, and reinforce this squad in January, fine. You can look towards the summer. But I think one of the most difficult stretches of the season is actually in May, um, when there's five games in 19 days. And need some depth. Some squad depth would be nice. Yeah. And if you're going to be playing is five... That counting US Open, is there any U.S. Open Cup in that? There could know. be. Yeah. Well, yeah. it probably won't be for the first well, team. Yeah. The, 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 Did we ever decide if MLS is playing an Open Cup? Uh, once... <laughs> Once that kind of yeah. sports news goes into litigation is when yeah. I become disinterested yeah, and I exactly. wait for the courts to make a decision and let no. me know what's going to happen next. What you're saying about May is correct. and We can break that down now or we can break it down later, but I, I just want to put it in movie terms real quick before I lose this uh, from my mind. I'm standing on the bow of the ship holding Dean Smith around the waist <laughs> saying I'm the king of the world and Johnny's saying iceberg dead ahead. <laughs> Uh, Bridget McCall, uh, great to hear from Bridget, uh, uh, tremendous TIFOs and uh, the host of the Queen's Pitch, CLT, a great, a great uh, podcast. See, this here is in the a Charlotte smart move. She, she knows we don't like two-part questions, so she asks one question from her personal account and another from the Queen's Pitch <laughs> official. That, that's uh, her personal question is: Are y'all as excited about this new attacking system of football coming to Charlotte FC? And yeah. she also asks: What do you think will be the biggest adjustment for the players with the style of game that Smith plays as opposed to previous? Coaches. I don't. I think the adjustment's going to be freedom. I think they were way too rigid under under the Latanzio system, and so it's the adjustment's going to be uh, uh, what to do with all this freedom of expression they're now allowed on the pitch. I think the excitement is is unparalleled and unbridled for me. You've heard it this whole episode, and really, but I, I do like the way that she frames it as the attacking style because like. Dean Smith's teams have always been great at attacking. They, where he's ran into problems in the past is shoring up his defense. And I do have a lot of, my, my concerns are all about the defense. I think Milanda's great, but I don't think a Milanda Privet and nobody else, and like the ghost of Guzman Carujo and ghost of Billy Tulome is really the way to start the season. So I really am looking for the- A nice center back signing would be nice. Yeah, I'm it? looking for the center back signing. That's why I wanted Donovan Pines. But I'm super excited for the offense. We scored 60 goals in all comps last year. I think 45 in MLS play. And I would um, love to see us score 60 goals in MLS play and maybe another 20 in, all, in the extra comps would be good. Um, but can we prevent more goals? I think we outperformed our XG last year, but underperformed our XG allowed, I think, if I looked at that at one point. So, like, 
we gotta we allowed more goals than we should have, and we scored more goals than we should have. Is what that would mean. So like, got to figure out a balance there. But I think the attack again. I have. I cannot stress enough how badly players like Carol Swarovski and Enzo Capetti were let down having Christian Latone zero as a man. Just can't can't stress enough how how poorly they were managed. I think that and Kovacar. You have to be excited about this new attacking system. You have to be, uh, and you will see how players come together and play together. Uh, we're going to see that in the Coachella Valley when Charlotte FC will compete in the Coachella, Coachella Valley Invitational, I think it's called, maybe it's not. But they'll play three games, and the final game of that tournament is the Saturday before the home opener. That's something that's worth talking about, too, because um, we, we had this hammered home, home to us when we were talking to people at the club this week. Like... Last year we went to the Coachella thing, but we weren't actually playing in the Coachella tournament. Which I didn't realize. So I didn't realize that either. So we were just like playing friendlies out in Coachella. It wasn't so the Coachella tournament, even though it's meaningless, it actually is kind of competitive because these teams are like getting this is their last action for the season. So they they play pretty hard. We were in the Coachella friendlies before the tournament, and that's why the team came back with uh, two weeks before the season and had to like scramble to get Legion and Battery to come up and play friendlies with us because they need some type of. Uh, scrimmages but like as fun as it was to go to those games with free season ticket member tickets and like be see the team in preseason action those were not the best way to prepare to launch an MLS season so I think that's gonna playing in Coachella Valley is gonna be one of the major things that helps us not start 0-3 this year in the season I definitely agree. Ash, Ash Amrick always a great TIFO we already answered this question I just want to give Ash a shout out should, we be, should we be concerned with our lack of activity in the transfer market that question was, just, was asked and answered just rewind to the start of this episode <laughs> and listen to it all over again Ash um, I don't know who, thank you I don't know who Flacco Tex is Flacco uh, Flacco but he, Tex uh, but he chimes in he says would a player like Kellen Acosta be a good fit number six and a USMNT player he definitely would he would for yeah. sure Kellen Acosta standing next to uh, Ashley Westwood in, in our defensive midfield would be perfect I, I don't really like Acosta that much but I can't deny that he is the perfect fit he's kind of like a he's kind of like a more talented Brawny you know I mean not, not, not shit on Brawny but that's that's the way I see it he's 28 years old right now mm-hmm. um, what's his what's his current uh Situation. Obviously, he's his with LAF. It, he's it seems like free agent. He's a free agent. He his his uh, LAFC contract expired. Badly wants to go to Europe. Uh, played for the Colorado Rapids. Uh, so he's gonna have a market. He's gonna be signed somewhere before the season starts. It's just a matter of where. But he'd be a great domestic uh, signing and definitely get more USMNT uh, radar on Charlotte FC, which would be good as well. So I, I, I would, I don't really like Kellen Acosta as fan wise, but I would get behind signing him, and I be, would become a fan if he started wearing the black and blue for sure. Jay Doke, he says, how will our 2024 expectations be affected if we go into the season with the same roster as last year, minus Jones, Gaines, Miram, Affle, Mora, Sobokop, Agart, and Cisniega? Versus, if we had at least a few attic guys who played those outgoing, I would temper my expectations greatly. My, my, my excitement and optimism is purely based on my belief that we will have more players before the season starts. A good question by Joe Garcia as well. Will the club do anything to bolster scouting in Latin American con- countries, or will they continue to mainly focus on Euro signings for players that don't really want to come to the U.S.? I'll, I'll turn that one back to you, John, because I know I know you have some uh, strong beliefs on this. Oh, one. it's not even about the leads. It's just, well, Zor- it's just Zoran's yeah. European yeah. pipeline. Right. And I, I think that the club will 100% continue to scout in Latin American countries. And by the way, the, the club has 
100% put forth a great effort in sending Ben Green uh, down to Brazil mm -hmm. and to be uh, a scout that really does a great job in scouting South America. That being said, when it comes to actually signing players, mm -hmm. that's a whole different ball game. And a sporting director is always going to typically sign players that he's familiar with, coming mm -hmm. from clubs that he's familiar with, and agents that he's familiar with and has worked with before. I think maybe South America is a bit of a blind spot for for Zoran Kornet. And I only say mm -hmm. that because Enzo Competti ended up in Charlotte because of Christian Latanzio. Right. Uh, Enzo Capetti was a Christian Latanzio signing. Which, by the way, I just need to make this point now that I'm thinking about it, is that as of this moment, as of this moment, Christian Latanzio was further backed by this organization than Dean Smith as far as transfer window is concerned. Christian Latanzio was the interim manager at the end of his season and then was named the full-time manager, goes into the winter transfer window, and gets to sign his striker. Dean Smith hasn't gotten anybody. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not, this goes back to the point of me saying before that I'm surprised that the manager doesn't have a guy that, he's, that he wants. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the manager does. But Christian Latanzio did, and he got that player. And maybe that, and this player still has a big-time future for us. So I, I just wanted to put that into perspective there. When it comes to the Latin American pipeline, keep your eyes on Crown Legacy. Yeah, 100%. Um, NBA DFS. Um, who is this again? We saw him at uh, at the coffee shop. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's uh, uh, Ben. Ben, ben. Yes. Yep. yeah, speaking yep. of Ben. Yes, he says, is Carol Love staying? Ben. It's the Met only question. Uh, is Carol stay staying? That's the only question. Um, so let's just start there. Is Carol staying with Charlotte FC? What is? We're sitting here on January 15th. Is he staying? Prediction, yes. It, it, we know what the answer is. Yeah. He's for sale at this price. He's not for sale at less than this price. Yeah. So I don't think anyone will meet the price, but it could. It was a very, very good sign that Carol Swiderski showed up and reported to Charlotte FC on Saturday to do his medicals, to get tested, to get prepared for the preseason. He's gonna. He's he's on the flight. It was he was pictured with. Uh, Christian Kalina boarding the flight uh, down to, to South Florida to get this preseason kicked off. And I think Carl Swiderski has a, a massive decision to make here this month for the remaining two weeks. And that decision is how professional do I want to be? Because this is a, an important moment for his professionalism. As a designated player, as Charlotte FC's first big-time signing, is he going to try to push his way out the door and, and, and be a player that forces a move and, and a player that decides not to toe the company line and to, to get out of here as soon as possible? Or is he a player that says, you know what, I'm going to be a professional, I'm going to show up, I'm going to give it my best go, and unfortunately it didn't work out this window, but maybe it'll work out next window. But I will tell you this when it comes to Carol Swiderski, is that at some point the, oh, Carol Swiderski's for sale, becomes detrimental to the culture of your club. When your star player is for sale every single window, it turns into a negative, not a positive. Yeah. And if Swiderski stays through January and we're sitting here again in June and we're discussing, well, is Swiderski going to move? And we're doing this two-step over and over again with this player. Ultimately, it's going to become a pain in the ass. Sure. I'm with that. I think Carol 
probably if I'm inside his head, if I could try to get inside his head, I'm completely resetting everything, to be honest. Dean Smith changed everything for me, if I'm Carol. I think, yes, the long-term goal as a 27, 28-year-old guy, right, is to get to uh, Europe and, and play a few strong years uh, in my 30s at a great European club and, and really, like, cement my career legacy that way. But you also got to think about short-term goals and what you got to think about what's coming up this summer. The European Championships. Poland is playing in like two months. They play at the end of March, um, which we'll probably miss Carol for that game, unfortunately. Poland has a playoff game against Estonia, uh, March 21st, to get into the European uh, Championships. It's like the World Cup for all, only Europeans, basically, if you're not familiar. Really great tournament, the Euros. Everybody, you know, loves it. And Poland... You know, Carroll wants to lead Poland in those Euros. I think that's what his number one short-term goal is, even ahead of, you know, Charlotte's success personally. If I'm uh, just, from what I've gathered from, I, I wouldn't be shocked if that's what he's thinking. So it's like, he's got to be thinking, what's better for me to prepare myself best for these Euros? Is it to go to Europe in January and be a fringe player trying to fit into a new system that's already established and maybe get a little bit of playing time for a few months? But hey, I'm in Europe. Or... Is my Euros 24 ambition better suited by being the man on an MLS club under a new, exciting manager who's all about offense, defense be damned? Like, that to me, if I'm Carroll, like, playing under Dean Smith, getting getting the freaking handcuffs taken off from Latanzio and MAR, I'm, I'm loving my chances to just come out and dominate and score 10 goals and 5 assists in the first two months of the season and just, you know, just dominate and, and like, have everyone hyped up about what I can do in the Euros rather than just being kind of like on the fringes of a, of a fringe European club. like It's not like he's going to freaking Juventus. It's not like he's going to Bayern uh, or D- Borussia Dortmund. Well, I mean, shit, if Eric, can, if Eric Dyer can go to Bayern, anybody can go to Bayern. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a weird signing that was. Um, it was very Camille, uh, Camille signing. Yeah, yeah. I've got I've got Carroll staying and dominating for the first half of the season and revisiting some. That's my turn. Well, it's, it's, there is a question here about... It's part of it's part of Ben's question. Is Dean is Dino empowered to bench Enzo, or will the iron hand of Zoran decree that Enzo must play over the clearly better player Ajima? Well, my question is, who's the striker? Is Carroll the striker here? Is he is he the the winger? I think Carroll. This is what I'm concerned about: is that Dean Dean has a decision to make about who his striker is because I expect him to play a 4-3-3 I really expect for him to play a really basic 4-3-3 and there's in that formation there's only two spots for Carroll which and and I think that's that's right wing and striker because I think Breck Diagra as somebody that can only play I mean I guess he could play the wing but he's more of a 10 yeah. He's more of a... Latanzio had Brecht on the wing, and I didn't like it at all, because he was always jammed up against the sideline. Right. There's just a lot happening in, the, in that front line with only three spots. Here, here's what I think. I think you put Carroll in the Messi role, the Carlos Hill role, the Emmanuel Reynoso role. He goes wherever he wants. He's the guy that always has the ball at his feet. Everybody in the midfield is looking to get the ball to Carroll to start the yeah. attack. That's what I think. Yeah. I think it should happen. As for being... Hearing you say that, though, I I think this comes down to really one thing and one thing only. Like, does Carroll want to be a striker, or is he okay playing midfield? I think if he wants to play midfield, then he's going to be happy here. If he wants to be striker, he's not going to be happy here. 
I think he wants to play midfield in an exciting, flowing, dynamic attack where he can run give and goes and get passes, like pass to someone, then get it back in open space and shoot. Sure, he wants to do that. Yeah, but what have we always said? Carroll loves a Carroll goal. Yeah, but he, he needs to score. Carroll can score from midfield. Enzo can't. Enzo can only score as a striker. Yeah, that's true. So, Very true. Uh, as for being empowered. Uh, to play Ajmong over Enzo, I think Dean Smith is empowered to do whatever he wants with the squad. And if, if Enzo sucks, then Ajmong will, will jump him within probably a couple months. Michael T, I'll just Michael T, shout out at Michael T, at a similar question. Should we expect more playing time from Aji? I would, I would just say yes, we should expect more playing time from Aji. Yes. But there's a, there's a, there's totally a. For me, it seems like this club is totally front-loaded with players. I think our midfield is questionable. Mm-hmm. I think our defense is a little bit questionable. But that front three, yeah, like there could be a lot of, of, of different decisions to be made based on well, Carol Swiderski, Enzo Capetti, Kerwin Vargas, Breck Diagra, Scott Ben Arfield. Bender, Scott Arfield. Yeah. These are all players that can score. Right. Right? And Yusviak I mean, is in that mix, yeah. Yes, players, players in that. Brent, For now. Um, even Brandon Cambridge is a player that Wait. proved that he could, that he yeah. could score. Um, so there's a lot. There's a lot to be figured out in, in the front of this this line. Uh, but all these questions have been fantastic. I think the conversation is good. And again, I'm, I'm really biting my tongue here on today's show. I'm, I'm remaining patient. I'm, I, I don't want to wave too many red flags. Um, but I certainly am waving one. Waving at least one. Yeah, yeah. You know, and the reason why I'm waving one is because I just uh, again, this has nothing to do with Charlotte FC, Danny. This just has to do with just a, my my firm belief right. that any soccer club needs to sign players right. every single what transfer window. Clubs do. Every transfer they window. Refresh the, the squad. Yeah. Every transfer window. Yeah. You you refresh and and what I've learned I think on the flip side of that is another detrimental culture to a football club is not being able to move players. Mm-hmm. When you feel stuck, like mm-hmm. players need to go in order for you to make business happen, mm-hmm. and you can't move those players out the door, mm-hmm. that's almost as important as signing people. For instance, you know we're told that you know a couple things need to happen before Charlotte FC signs a player, and that is a couple players need to move on. At least one specific player needs to move on, mm-hmm. right? And I think when a club cannot move on from its players is when these log jams happen. Right, and the MLS Ross rules don't help because like if, if we in, in Europe we would just just. Sign anyone we want. Just add to the you know, just grow the side to forty guys. But we can't do that here. MLS roster rules are not real. Yeah, they're not. They're not. They're not. I think that there's like a there's a, a a loose outline that you need to follow, in unless you can really figure out a way to financially make it work and give somebody a stake in your club, or you know, pay them twenty years from yeah, now, yeah, exactly. or just figure yeah, out a way yeah. to just really into in, uh, you know. Ten years before the sun explodes and, and uh, destroys the entire galaxy, you, you get a 10% ownership in Apple right. for the signing of this contract. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I want to throw most of the rest of our questions. I want to shout out, you know, Water FM. I want to shout out Kyle Smith. Uh, I want to shout out Marcus Castro. I want to shout, shout out Josh Annette's. But there's most of those guys. We've pretty much answered y'all's questions. I, I don't have. Uh, I don't want to read those questions. But I have one more question. Speaking of. Moving players on, John, that yep. I want to throw you as our final one. This is from J Doke, JDiv44. How worried are we that Wilford Nancy is going to turn Jer- Derek Jones into a superhuman <laughs> and unleash him against us? <laughs> I mean, that would be a nightmare. It would be an absolute nightmare if, um, 
if you're looking at the the schedule and then all of a sudden you, you see Columbus pop up, which um, you you do pretty early in the season in, in March, hosting Columbus, yeah. and Derek Jones is out there destroying against us. I mean, that would be talk about, talk about an indictment. That, that would really hurt because yeah. they moved on from Derek Jones very quickly right. without even a thought. Right, uh, Derek Jones, and then, and then said we need a new defensive midfielder. Yeah, very, <laughs> so, yeah, very yeah, strange. Yeah. yeah, and that's the type of thing uh, that uh, again, mis- another miscast Latonzio player trying to turn Derek Jones into an eight for some fucking reason. Yeah, but remember, remember before I remember being at the the keep many many times, and before the starting lineup would come out, and we would be debating who's in or who's out. I can't. I can remember so many times hearing you or somebody else be like, "Well, we don't lose when Derek Jones is in the starting Right, 11. that's true. Yeah. It's true, yeah, wherever he plays, yeah. I just thought he was better as a six and then, than an eight. And then remember, he, when he was, was, remember when he was pushed up? There in, was in, one game where he was pushed up and, and it worked great. really well because he was sort of like the hold-up play. He was like the hold-up striker almost. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it worked and great. everything worked around. But then we didn't go back to it. Then Latonzi was big on like finding something that worked and immediately changing it. <laughs> yeah, so, he was. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he's like, uh, yeah, he was he was desperate in making those yeah. changes but then would rely go yeah. back to his laurels. Yeah. Um, Things are going to be better. I, I promise... It's it's not fucking around anymore. NFAA. Well, uh, this has been the latest episode of Charlotte Soccer Show. I think it's been a good one. I think I think it's a, an episode that we can look back to many many months from now and kind of decide how how did it go? Mm-hmm. Um, because right now it feels like the the squad's at a crossroads, and I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it late uh, for for people who have listened when, to this whole time. When when, uh, when we're sitting in the middle of June, and a picture-perfect pass comes down the sideline and Camille Yusviak just bungles it and dribbles over his own feet and kicks it out of bounds, you can come for my head. (laughs) Oh, man. No, I think, like, one thing I I really enjoy doing on this podcast is I like to leave things late for the listeners who have been been here for a while. And through all of the 57, 58, 59 minutes of of content here that you're going to get on this episode, I think one of the things that you're you're going to get now is is the the brass tacks which is very simple uh, the club needs to sell Camille Uzviak and it's trying to actively do so right now as we're recording this conversation and they're actively trying to sell Carol Swiderski as well because his name is out there and the right offer comes in then they'll, they'll sell him and if those two things happen the club will have the funds required to and the make slots required. and the slots required to, to make a big time move. So, amongst all the bullshit, you know, let's just cut through and get right to the point, which is very simple: is that we've talked about the Polish exodus, we've 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 talked about the future of this club and, and bringing in players and difference makers. Right now, Karol Swiderski and Kamil Uzviak are the two players that are deciding the future of this club. I'm not saying that they're consciously doing that or intentionally doing that, but uh, Camille Uziak and his agent need to accept an offer as soon as possible and not hold this club hostage mm-hmm. and please get out of town. Yeah. Because that's what's happening right now. Right. Like, it's that simple. Camille, like, go. Right. Go. Thank you, next, as Ariana Grande once famous is saying. Right. And it's not, it's not being nasty. It's not saying, like, get out of Charlotte. We don't want you here or anything. It's just very simple. It's like you've, you've, you've put it out there. You've publicly said that you're, you're ready for a move. Yeah. You want to go back to Europe. Right. So accept the goddamn offer. Right. Don't hold this club right. hostage. Go. Right. You said it. And that's that's when I, when I made the point earlier about not being able to move on from players. Mm-hmm. Right? Where 
players start to hold the club, it's, it, their own club hostage. Mm-hmm. That happens. Yeah. For, for what it's worth, I think that it will happen. We're, every yeah. every hour that passes, I, I yeah. get a, I start sweating a little harder, but I do think it'll happen. It's, it's the Charlotte Soccer Show. John Hayes, Danny Brambus. Make sure to go to uh, Charlotte Soccer City on Substack. Uh, there'll be a link in the show description. You can read Danny's latest column. Go to our YouTube page as well. You can see Danny's decoding the presser. I uh, really appreciate y'all listening to this episode. And we've got we've got more content uh, coming as as the the week uh, continues here. Uh, we will be back for an episode if there is a, a player sold or a player bought. We certainly will discuss that transaction here on the show and we're going to start seeing some content here from the club as well yep. these players are back on the pitch these players are preparing now for their first season mm-hmm. uh, with, with Dean Smith at the helm Dean Smith at the wheel Dino, that, Dino's at the, the wheel, wheel. <laughs> maybe. I love it yeah driving into yeah. 24 he's not a student driver baby unlike those other two slapdicks right um, so I, I I many many months from now hope to look back on this episode and say, Danny, you were right all along. I pray. This, Trust this, me. this club has just absolutely been taken to the new level by, by Dean Smith. So he, and this is the last one I'm going to make, right? Because I don't want people to think that I'm contradicting myself when I say the hire of Dean Smith is amazing. It's ambitious. And it's exactly what this club needed, right? Mm-hmm. But there's always the next step. Right. Right. There's there's right. steps it's to not every an end point. Yes, yeah. correct. And there never will be an right. end never point is. for the club. Right. That, and that's my point. Right, it's like you're never gonna you're never gonna sign a player or sign a manager. Think about Columbus, right? For example, they win MLS Cup and they're like out signing a free agent a couple yeah. weeks later. Yeah, right. The, the process never yeah. ends. Yeah, a role player that, that may not be a starter for them, but is going to be important depth in a tough season campaign coming up. So the process never ends. Dean Smith is at the wheel, and um, we want to make a, a massive point again. Vancouver, away day watch party. We're going to be at Hot Fly. It's going to be potentially the biggest party at Hot Fly in March. You never know. Yeah. But we know that there's some special work going into to this special beer theme, beer drop that uh, yeah. Charlotte FC fans will have special interest in. Yep. It's exciting. It's yeah. exciting. It's exciting. So uh, we're here at night. Uh, swim coffee. Make sure you get over here. Um, Kind of off Old Pineville Road and in, in South Charlotte here. Yeah, in, in Lowe's. So yeah, there's, like yeah, there's yeah. A, the, uh, the the brewery across the street. I forget the name of it over there. Uh, there's a yeah, there's a there's a brewery right across the street. Cleft Brewing Company. Oh, lower left. Lower, lower left. left. Lower left Brewing. Thank you. Lower left Brewing right across the street. And it's a yeah, good area of town that's really uh, starting to boom a little bit. So uh, until next what time. Yeah, seriously though. <laughs> Until next time, it's the Charlotte Soccer Show. I'm John Hayes. He's Danny Brams. For the crown, baby.